Good evening, this is Hunter Combs of Africa Christian Action in the studio for Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. This evening I'm in the studio with Dr. Peter Hammond to discuss preparing young people for university. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, and Hunter, this is so important because uh, the amount of young people heading into university is huge. But do you know that of all those who enter university or tertiary education on the country, they say that less than 8% actually graduate. Hmm, that's so that means there's a statistic. huge amount of, of people entering tertiary education who don't complete it. Hmm. And worse than that, I think what we want to discuss is how many Christians who enter um, university, how many of them come in as Christians and come out actually losing their faith or walking away from their faith. And really, uh, what is leading to this? Why, why do you think so many Christians are coming to university and coming out either agnostic, atheist? Uh, why would this be? Well, yes, the statistics are extremely disturbing. Uh, these stats are from Gallup polls that 75% of those from Christian homes who are church attenders when they enter university no longer attend church by the end of the third year. So this isn't saying they're attending a good church. This isn't saying they're having a vital relationship with the Lord. Just just using an objective standard of hmm. church attending. So 75% of people from a church attending family stop attending church within three years of attending university. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why is that indeed? Because... If any army lost three quarters of their number in a battle, it wouldn't be considered defeat. I mean, that's a catastrophic disaster. Mm, absolutely. That's, you know, decimation used to be considered terrible because you lost 10%. Well, this is 75% being lost. And uh, in many cases, it's, it's worse than that. So uh, according to the surveys, young people aged 16 to 25, less than 10% of them have a biblical worldview. Mm. Less than 10% of these key age of 16 to 25, which is primary tertiary education time, have a biblical worldview. And that, the term of biblical worldview is pretty basic. It's, mm. it's not very high standard. 75% of these young people believe socialism is the best economic system, even though, let's face it, it's failed everywhere. Mm. Uh, just take um, Soviet Union, Red China, Zimbabwe, Cuba, you know. But despite the Bible saying, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, Hmm. Many still think socialism is a good idea. Where'd they get that from? Over 60% of these young people believe that if what you believe offends somebody or hurts their feelings, then it's wrong. Hmm. So what we're seeing is tolerance of what the Bible describes as perversion is rising. And intolerance of biblical standards for marriage, family, and society is steadily increasing. So hmm. the situation is actually very disturbing. And the Word of God warns us in Romans 12 do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And I'm afraid a lot of people read that as by the removal of your minds. And mm. of course, we're not meant to be mindless. There's so much in the Bible about come, let us reason together. And, and the Bible is full of reason and investigation and the facts. And as Christians, we, we should be building on a rock. And Jesus said that a wise man builds his life on the rock. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. So if you consider... There's two types of people, the wise and the foolish. There's two types of buildings and there's two types of foundations. There's the rock and the sand. Now, the rock is symbolic of the word of God and the sand is symbolic of, well, humanism, man's efforts, uh, human uh, standards. And you could say, well, there's not much different. looks like the same kind of building from the outside. But one day 
the rain will fall, the wind will blow, the storm will rage, and the floods will rise, and the house built on the sand will collapse, and the house built on a rock can stand. And so when you see people going to university and, and having their faith, faith shattered and their convictions undermined, and suddenly turning to embrace what before they would have uh, rejected, and suddenly finding themselves at odds with their parents and their church, we've got to say... Well, were they well prepared for what they're coming to face? Did they understand how the word of God applies to all areas of life? Could they give a reasoned answer for their faith? So just as the scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, uh, that we should always be ready to give a reason to anyone who asks us for the hope that's within you. Uh, statistically, it would seem that the vast majority of people from church-going families who enter university do not know how to give an answer for the reason of what they believe. They don't know what they believe, they don't know why they believe it, and they don't know how to defend an argument. Uh, hmm. And if evidently, many haven't considered a biblical perspective on economics or on science or biology, uh, on origins. And so, unfortunately, it's like we are sending in troops into a field where they're getting massacred in a, land, a landscape booby-trapped with the devil's minefields and it would seem that the average youth group in church is not adequately preparing the young people for the incredible temptations and pressures and peer pressure of university. And so when you speak of a biblical worldview, um, maybe you could just explain that a bit more. Are you saying just someone who believes in the Bible? I mean, because certainly many people come into university believing in the Bible, but uh, yeah, what, what would you, how would you define a biblical worldview? Well, the Bible has answers for all the questions of life and the Lordship of Christ applies to all areas of life and the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations and teach obedience to all things the Lord has commanded. So a biblical worldview is looking at the world through a biblical lens, understanding everything in light of what the scripture teaches, which means you understand the depravity of man, you understand the holiness of God, you understand the laws of God, understand origins of the earth and why we are in a fallen world and why it is that uh, so many of God's laws are being broken and why there's evil within our own hearts mm. and how we can be right with God, how we can have our sins forgiven, how we can behave in these areas. So that's part of it. But when you get to university and you're discussing economics, well, we know that mm. one thing they love to push in average university is socialism. Well, do you know what the biblical standards for economics are? And I've got a questionnaire that we have drawn up and we give to people who come to our Biblical Worldview Seminars. I've run Biblical Worldview Seminars and Summits all over the world, as far afield as Australia and mm. Europe and America and all over Africa, Sudan, Nigeria, and the Congo and so on. And uh, you get very interesting answers. So just to check, we say, could you describe Biblical Worldview? Most, they leave that mm. paragraph blank. Uh, what's a biblical position on economics? And... Normally it's blank and sometimes people put tithing. Hmm. Well, I suppose that's part of it. But but what about something more like, you know, private ownership of property, yeah. free market? But you know, uh, Then it comes to what about biblical position on crime and punishment? And that's normally left blank and sometimes people put the government should forgive. Well, um, but the government's job is not to be the minister of grace. The church hmm. is the ministry of grace. The state is to be a ministry of justice. Now, both the state and the church are under God. They're to be ministers under God, either minister of justice bearing the sword or minister of grace uh, having the keys of the kingdom um, and ministering the word. But the average Christian doesn't seem to be able to distinguish between the ministry of grace in the church and the ministry of justice in the state and and why it's not the, jobs, the job of the government to forgive. It's the job mm. of the government to protect and to serve and to uh, be 
an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer, mm. as we read in Romans 13. So a biblical worldview includes all sorts of things. So, for example, other questions on our questionnaire would be, is the creation account in Genesis to be taken literally? And quite a few people put no. And is, uh, is the creation account in Genesis compatible with the theory of evolution? And would you believe it? Quite a few people will put yes. Hmm. And, uh, well, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, God, and in the beginning, nothing. is two different starting points. So hmm. uh, there's no doubt where you stand on Genesis, where you stand on origins, where you stand on creation will affect a lot of things. If you think of a watershed like the Drakensberg Mountains, the, the Dragon Mountains, which is a great watershed in South Africa, any water that falls on that watershed, if it falls just a few inches to the left or to the right of that highest point mm. of this watershed in Drakensburg, determines whether it flows all the way down into the Orange River and into the Atlantic Sea, or all the way down to the Chigella River and into the Indian Ocean. Now, at first, there might only be a few feet apart, but inevitably, gravity will pull that water down, down, down until it ends up in different oceans. And so it is where people stand on the issue of authority. Now, what's your authority? Is your authority the word of God? Or is your authority the opinion of man? And so on. And, and these foundational issues have massive implications further down the road. And so a person who accepts the word of God as their authority will inevitably have to accept the privacy of man, sanctity of life, holiness of God, and a whole range of other issues. Whereas if you accept that the Bible's not your authority and it's just man hmm. and, you know, we just matter in motion and became for nothing, we're going nowhere and life is meaningless, the implications will be huge because you can decide what is right or wrong. And so it's extraordinary how people are getting polarized all over the world right now, depending on where they fall in this worship. Are they falling on the authority, the inerrancy of Scripture, or are they having some modified version of, of man-made rules? Hmm. And that's why worldviews are important and why it's important to prepare young people for the phenomenal intimidation, pressure, propaganda uh, that they're going to face in the average secular humanist institution. Hmm. And I think that's why in many of these institutions, the first thing and argument they bring against the Christian faith is the authority of scripture. Oh, well, the scriptures have actually been corrupted. This is just a man-made document. They throw in ahistorical things like, oh, the Council of Nicaea determined what books came in the canon when the Council of Nicaea had nothing to do with the canonicity of scripture. <laughs> so you start undermining this and you start saying, oh, what about these contradictions in the Bible? What about uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery? It's not in the earliest manuscripts. And if someone hasn't been exposed to these things growing up, if they haven't been exposed to these arguments, and the first time they hear it is from a secular professor in university, they're just going to fall flat on their faces. And well, this Bible that I hold to is the Word of God. Now, now, what do I do with it? That I see all these errors, these contradictions, because they haven't been given the tools to even know how to address these issues. And so I think that's why it's so important that we understand what a worldview is, but also understand how to train and equip our young people with a Christian and biblical worldview that can actually confront these attacks that are coming on as they face, as they face them in university. Now, I uh, once shared a platform with um, an American advocate, Jeff Ventura, who is a part of the Alliance Defending Freedoms, and they helped do the research that provided hundreds of case studies on which the God's Not Dead film series was based mm. on. And it's quite extraordinary. I don't know how many people have seen the film God's Not Dead and seen it in the streaming of the cases, the the cases based on, because it's while it's a fictional film, 
they're not fictional scenarios. Uh, mm. These things have happened. There are professors who are that anti-Christian who go after students who seek to intimidate and bully them. And uh, we need to be prepared for it. And, and while the film is, is a short, um, a dramatic, uh, interesting scenario, uh, but the fact is, imagine day after day, week after week, month after month, mm. year after year, you're facing relentless attack by some very dedicated atheists mm. or evolutionists to try to pro put their worldview on you, trying to, in fact, they even say they're wanting to corrupt these Christians, they're wanting to save these children from their Christian parents and mm. that sort of thing. So the evangelistic fervor of many of these humanists is extraordinary. And it's amazing to think they can say there is no God, but they hate him and they spend mm. so much time fighting him. And it, it seems contradictory, but this is the reality. We're living in a world where universities, which once were very Christian, in fact, it's worth noting that the very term uni veritas, university, it comes from the Latin one truth, uni veritas, one truth. Well, the average university professor doesn't believe there is one truth, let mm. alone that it can be known or understood or communicated. So maybe it would be more honest for the average secular humanist today to open up an aversity or diversity <laughs> or polyversity, but a university the very etymology of the word suggests it's got Christian origins, and it does. The greatest university of the past, whether you think of Oxford, Cambridge, Paris, Sorbonne, Harvard, I mean, many of these universities have the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1 verse 7, over the entranceway and the gateways. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, they started out with theology being the queen of uh, the disciplines and uh, some of the greatest universities mm -hmm. at Oxford and names like Christchurch. I mean, that's the name of one of the colleges in Oxford. And uh, it is extraordinary, the Christian foundations of the universities, and you can see it. Uh, in, in fact, in their mottos and all the rest of it. But we've gone far from the place where universities used to be hotbeds of Reformation revival. Cambridge was known as Little Germany because they were studying the works of Luther, and out of it came William Tyndale, who was burned at the stake for the crime of translating the Bible into English. Universities used to have professors like Professor John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation mm. of Oxford University, uh, Professor uh, Jan Hus of Prague University, the rector of Prague University, and Professor Martin Luther of, of Wittenberg University, uh, John Calvin, who launched the Academy of Geneva. Uh, this is where universities used to be. They used to be places of great biblical uh, authority and study, and out of the university often came great missionary movements like the Cambridge Seven, C.T. Studd, and many others. So we should ask, why is it that universities are so pagan? Because they didn't start that way. The average university, in fact, all the universities start out as Christian institutions, out of missions and ministries and monasteries, and uh, all of these Christian mission bases were the foundations of the modern universities, and it's a Christian phenomenon, uh, universities. And so it is strange that today you've got these people out there uh, like Richard Dawkins, who mm. hates Christianity, who speak against it, and yet they don't even seem to appreciate that the universities they've got, and even the freedom of opinion they've got as a fruit mm. of Christianity, mm. uh, which it wouldn't have been possible in the past to have even had someone having the freedom to oppose the state religion. Mm. That's how it came out of the Reformation. So if we can know our history, if we can know our Bibles, that's a very important foundation for university, but we find that's not enough. You've also got to understand the other worldviews. You've got to understand humanism, evolutionism, situation ethics, new age, and so much else that they're coming out with today, and Marxism. In fact, that's super popular these days. Mm -hmm. When you understand the other worldviews, you're not just trying to 
defend your own position, you're able to counter with, well, you believe and well, your position states. Mm. And uh, you can counterattack. Let's face it, you can't win a war just by defense. Mm. You've got to understand the other side. So to be effective in a university, it's important not only to know what we believe and why we believe and how to defend an argument, it's also important to be able to know the strengths and weaknesses of other people's worldviews. I mean, how many Christians are trained in understanding secular humanism, atheism, agnosticism, New Age, Marxism, and so on. Uh, how many of our people understand Hinduism and Buddhism and, and uh, mm. Islamic worldviews? We need to just to understand and respect our neighbors and to be effective in evangelism. So we think it's essential for anyone considering tertiary education to get a biblical worldview grounding. And there's been some phenomenal work done. You think of people like Dr. David Noble, who's produced books like Understanding the Times and The Battle for Truth. These are phenomenally great resources for anyone wanting to go to university, which shows you, oh, my, wow. I mean, here's mm. the research. And, and you can look under the 10 main disciplines and the, diff, the six different worldviews, um, where they stand on these and these positions. And, and it immediately gives you the tools that you need to defend your faith, to explain your faith, and to win your fellow students to Christ, which is most important. Mm. And when we're speaking of issues of worldview, we're asking questions such as, what is ultimately reality? What is, what is a person? Who am I as a person? How did I get here? What happens to us when we die? Is it possible to know absolute truth? How do we know right and wrong? What's the meaning of human history? And every different person on this planet has an answer to that. Well, why are we here? Well, we're just here by accident. Just a big explosion happened and now... Poof, one, one sort of accident after another, like a guy who's walking down the hallway starts tripping and he has some glasses in his hand. He, he drops them and they fall and they shatter and they magically make these wonderful, beautiful ornaments on the floor. Then someone comes along and something else. I mean, it's just that one accident after another just creates more and more order and beauty. <laughs> well, that's the sort of atheistic paradigm of reality. How are we here? By a bunch of happenstance and accident over and over again. What's a human being? just a highly evolved bacteria. What mm. happens when we die? Absolutely nothing. Is it possible to know truth? Well, not really. Uh, how, how could you? Um, is it even possible to know that the laws of physics are going to be the same tomorrow as they were yesterday? On an atheistic paradigm, there's no grounding for it. There's no absolute uh, standard of consistency and faithfulness in the universe. I mean, everything's just random, chaotic, accidental. So how do we even know that? How do we know right and wrong? Well, why is it right to give to the poor and rather than go on a mass killing spree? Well, in an atheistic paradigm, there actually isn't a reason for it. What's the meaning of human history? Well, it's just, again, all a big accident where eventually the universe is going to come to a close and all of us are just going to be snuffed out in history. Well, that's sort of an atheistic explanation to the answers, but every worldview has to answer these questions. And I think when you filter it through the Word of God, through the Bible, you see Christianity has the best answers, and it actually corresponds with reality in the way we really see the world. So that those are some questions that help you think through a worldview, and that's that's what we really want to help people help equip people with is how to understand worldviews, how to formulate a Christian worldview, how to dissect a worldview, how to address some of these issues. So what what are some tools we've uh, you've come up with that help people address these worldview issues, Dr. Hammond? Well, um, it was over 30 years ago that I first met Dr. David Noble, more than 32 years ago. And uh, David Noble had founded Summit Ministries 
and he invited me to come and speak to students. Became a very regular speaker there uh, up in Colorado Springs, and what a great uh, uh, work they did there. So over 30 years ago, we started our own Biblical Worldview Summit here in South Africa, and they've grown, and uh, we have been conducting Biblical Worldview Summits all over. I, I've personally conducted Biblical Worldview Summits not only in Cape Town, but in Australia and Botswana and Canada, the Congo, England, Germany, Ghana, uh, Ireland, uh, Kenya, Malawi, um, uh, all over uh, as far as Romania and so on. And um, it's been tremendous to be able to to teach the biblical worldviews in these different countries. But we've had people traveling from all over the world to our uh, summit here in Cape Town, including from as far field as Pakistan and Russia and Scotland and mm. Sudan and Switzerland, Uganda, and it's, it's tremendous. Um, and out of this, we've produced a biblical worldview manual gone through eight editions, hmm. and so it's continually being refined and improved. There's my Biblical Principles Africa book that's gone through several editions and expansions and also been translated into French into Afrikaans. Hmm. And there's The Battle for Truth by David Noble. There's Advancing the Kingdom, Declaring War on the Humanistic Culture by Donald Schoenzenbach. And there's Understand the Times, which is the classic doorstopper that if you dropped it in the foot of a skeptic, he would limp. Um, but understand times with David Noble, that's the ultimate uh, guide. Uh, the simpler ones are like the Biblical Principles for Africa and, and the uh, Biblical Worldview Manuals. But these are just some of our great resources. We've also got the Culture Wise Family by, uh, by Dr. Ted Baer and uh, Myths, Lies and Half-Truths uh, by Gary DeMar. Uh, some mm. brilliant materials. And so these resources um, in our... Christian Liberty Bookshop and our Reformation Society Library are available to people who are interested. Uh, but at our camps and courses, we give people textbooks, we give them source books, we give them uh, digital libraries, in fact. So those who want to leave with them, we'll give them on an SD card on um, uh, and micro SD cards for phones if they want. Uh, 32 gigabytes worth of uh, films and books and manuals and PowerPoints and audios. And the goal is we don't just want to educate people who come to our, our Biblical Worldview Summits. We want to empower and equip them to be able to take these materials and teach it in their Sunday school, their youth group, their midweek Bible study fellowship uh, from the pulpit if they have such opportunities so that uh, we will have a ministry of multiplication. And we are so grateful for people who've gone back from our uh, summits and they've been running these in the Congo and Nigeria and Sudan and Zimbabwe. And, and that, that's great because this is what we need. The enemy are out there spreading enormous amount of anti-Christian mm. lies and prejudice. And so we need to be not only encouraging and equipping, uh, but enlisting people, not only motivating, but mobilizing, not only informing and inspiring, but involving people. And it's so important that we're all involved in this world war of worldviews, this this. Uh, spiritual emergency, uh, making disciples of all nations, teaching obedience to all things the Lord has come on, and taking every thought captive to make it obey Christ. And so coming up on the 6th to the 13th of January, 2022, so this is coming up just about five weeks' time, we have a Biblical Worldview Summit happening in Hermanus, Cape Town. Uh, for those of you who would like to attend, uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to learn how to formulate a Christian worldview. And it's a it's a lot of fun. I went to my first one 10 years ago now. And uh, you learn confidence in abilities. Uh, you build great Christian friendships. You have an understanding of worldviews, Christian worldviews, non-Christian worldviews. You learn how to defend your faith. But not it's not just intellectual knowledge. It's actually 
practical. Hey, how do you actually have these conversations and actually going out and practicing sharing your faith with the lost? And so it gives you these tools that you have to come away and say, oh, now I actually know intellectually and have experienced practically how to actually go out and make a difference for Christ in the world. So that's from the 6th to the 13th of January coming up in Hermanus for the Biblical Worldview Summit. Yes. uh, In fact, we've really over the years honed it. I mean, doing this for over 30 years and also traveling to other countries and seeing how others do it and uh, being able to uh, take examples of excellence and and innovate. I think uh, these courses really have become cutting edge. And uh, what I think is a great recommendation is people come back again and again and again and again. And I mean, we've Mm. got some people who've been to five, six, seven, ten. When it comes to my family, I don't think any of our family have missed any of them because um, it's a highlight of the years. Uh, mm. I remember Daniela saying often, and, and and for many of the young people, this is just it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's so practical and it's helpful. And so we know people have gone to universities and not just survived but thrived. Mm. And the best is when a person goes in the university, opens up a Bible study and prayer fellowship, organizes guest speakers like Dr. Philip Stott, the creation scientist coming in. You know, this is, in fact, uh, so important is that uh, uh, we mustn't just aim to survive in the world. We've got to aim to thrive. We don't just not want to be changed by the world. We want to change the world for Christ. Mm-hmm. And our goal is wherever we go. I mean, if we sent into a university, if that's where we've got to go, whether as a teacher or as a student, we want to go to be an influence for Christ and to to make an impact. We don't want to go in there just uh, with our defenses up so that we can survive. That's no good. We've got to let our light shine. We've got to be an influence. And uh, if we can't fulfill a great commission there, then what are we going there for? Mm. So that's what the summit's all about. It's about taking every thought captive. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So Colossians 2 verse 8 encourages us not to allow ourselves to be led astray. Uh, We've got to have our lives built on a rock. So those who understand the ideas that change the world will have the opportunity to influence the world of ideas. So for those of you listening who really feel like this would be something that would be a great blessing to you, a great benefit to you as you're heading off to university, you don't only have to be a university age person. Uh, Maybe you're a parent and have children you'd like to help impact them with a greater Christian worldview. But for those of you listening who know young people or you would be interested in attending, we encourage you. It's from 6 to 13 January. It's going to be in Hermanus, Cape Town. If you're interested, you could visit frontlinemissionsa.org to get more information or you can also contact admin at frontline.org.za. Again, that's admin at frontline.org.za. Um, and again, there's not just going to be in the classroom. There's going to be activities. There's going to be hiking, night walks, ocean activities, team competition, obstacle courses. You're going to build friendships that last a lifetime. It's really a highlight of the year for many people. And no two years are the same in a row. It's always unique, different, uh, vibrant. Uh, and it's an exciting time really to come and learn. And it's body, mind, and spirit. I mean, there's there's something for everyone. And a lot of the activities are hands-on, physical. Those people who are very cerebral, they want mental stimulation. You get that. You get a lot mm. of that. Uh, but those are like physical challenge and stimulation competition. There's lots of that too. Mm. And uh, and spiritual, there's great times of worship, devotions, Bible study, prayer fellowships. And you really grow because there's uh, discussion groups, prayer groups, uh, action groups, um, uh, competition groups, uh, outreach teams. And uh, you you get to really know some people so well because it's, it's while the camp is big in one sense, 
uh, you go through it as such in a in a small group, which um, becomes really like your team. Mm. So those of you wanting to attend the Biblical Worldview Summit, we encourage you, uh, please get in touch with admin at frontline.org.za. Um, you can also visit our web, frontlinemissionsa.org, uh, and you can get more information there. Also on Facebook, you can look for Biblical Worldview Summit. We're on Facebook, on social media. You'll see there's a video you can see on uh, previous uh, BWS, uh, get a bit of an idea of what it looks like, and you can read up a whole lot. You can download the poster and the leaflet on the Biblical Worldview Summit, either from the FrontlineMissionSA.org website or uh, from the Biblical Worldview Summit on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We pray this has been a blessing to you, and we hope to see some of you, some of you there. Good night, and God bless.